Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're excited today to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul's two epistles to the church in Thessalonica are loaded with topics for biblical prophecy. And today, in chapter 1, we see as the gospel comes to Thessalonica. Let's begin with a prayer. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. Last week, I shared with you the importance of learning terms, and we learned the term eschatology last week, the study of last things. This week, I'd like to uh, ask you to learn two terms. The first is the term Septuagint, and the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek, and the reason it's called the Septuagint, which simply means 70 in Greek, the, uh, it was about 72 scholars a couple of centuries or so before the time of Christ. Since the Jews were spread throughout what we now know as the Mediterranean world, they wanted a translation that was in the common tongue of the Mediterranean world, and hence you have the Old Testament Septuagint in Greek, and it's abbreviated LXX, the Roman numerals for 70, okay? And that's a special value in this. Why, why, is, why am I sharing that with you? Well, the New Testament was written in Greek, and one of the best ways to interpret the Bible is use the Bible to interpret itself. In other words, the Old Testament helps you understand the New, and the New helps you understand the Old. But if you're going from Hebrew to Greek or Greek to Hebrew, it's a little bit like talking about apples and oranges. But with the Septuagint in Greek, and the New Testament in Greek, the same type of Greek, you have oranges and oranges, and you get some really dynamic translation that um, kind of helps you understand some things you might otherwise miss, and we're gonna do that today, okay? So that's the Septuagint. The second term that I would like you to learn is actually gonna take the remainder of this broadcast, and it's the term gospel. Let me ask you the question, what does gospel mean? Well, first of all, you might say, wait a second, isn't this a radio show on eschatology? So what does gospel have to do with biblical prophecy? If I would put it in a word, I would say everything. If you want to understand the rapture question coming up in chapter 4 of Thessalonians, you want to know what gospel means. If you want to understand what's going on in the kind of hard to understand visions in the book of Revelation, you want to, want to understand what the word gospel really means. Want to understand the four gospels in their entirety, particularly as we come to the places where Jesus starts talking about his kingdom, you want to understand what the word gospel means. Now, if I was going to ask an evangelical Protestant, what's the gospel? You would get two or three descriptions uh, basically saying the same thing. They say, well, that would be the plan of salvation about how sinners, through the sacrifice of Jesus, are saved and justified by faith. And if they're 
kind of a hardcore evangelical, they would say justification by faith alone. They would say it's that plan of salvation that's found particularly in the epistles of Romans and Galatians. In fact, as an evangelical, I was taught what's called the Romans Road, that the gospel can be shown through going through the uh, epistle to the Romans. And then Campus Crusade was very famous in that they were four spiritual laws that basically shared how we're sinners, Jesus died for our sins, if you believe in him, you have everlasting life. In a nutshell, they're saying that's the gospel. Now, Dr. Scott McKnight, an evangelical professor, has asked evangelicals a highly provocative question, and it's this. Did Jesus preach the gospel? And do the four gospels preach the gospel? Now, what I just described that evangelicals hold is what the gospel teaches. There's nothing wrong with the idea of believing that we're sinners, that Jesus died for sinners, that we're to believe in him, we're to trust him for eternal life. That's all fine. But that plan of salvation described from Romans or the four spiritual laws from Galatians and Romans, we don't find anything quite like that on the lips of Jesus, and we don't find anything like that in the four Gospels. So Dr. McKnight says, did Jesus preach the gospel, and do the four Gospels teach the gospel? He claims that there's something else, and I'm not going to tell you the name of his book because it would be a dead giveaway of what the gospel really means. I want to ask you, Catholics, what does the gospel mean? And let's say you're in your mid-40s, and I figured if you're in your mid-40s, you've heard the gospels read about 2,000 times in your lifetime just in Sunday Mass. If you go to daily Mass, the number's even quite a bit higher. But let's just say you've heard the four gospels read 2,000 times. Can you put into a sentence or two what the gospel means? What's the primary meaning of the gospel? What did the first century Catholics mean by the gospel? And let's say your children have gone through CCD and confirmation classes. Maybe even you sent them to Catholic high school and maybe even Catholic college and university. Can they give you a sentence or two what gospel means? Well, that's the book that the deacon carries when we process into Mass on Sunday. Okay, he does carry the four gospels. But what does the word gospel mean? And what do those four gospels teach in their essence? What's the, what's the gist? Can you put it in a sentence what, what they teach? I dare say my guess is about 95% of Catholic adults and youth would not be able to tell you that. So let's go to Thessalonica as the gospel comes to town. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5 our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Whatever St. Paul preached, it had a dramatic effect on his listeners. It just wasn't like an abstract religious truth that hit their brain and didn't change their life. It said it came to you not just in word, but with power and great conviction. Now, we're not apostles today, but is there a way perhaps we can be sharing the message of the gospel in the way that St. Paul did that could have the dramatic life transformation that we were seeing in the first century? 
because something happened that often isn't happening today. Now, we see the word gospel right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. I'm going to take you to a second verse in St. Paul's epistles because that's going to enable us. This verse is going to be like the rebounder that we can jump on that will get us into the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which in three words will tell us what the gospel is all about. And first we go to Romans 10 and verse 15, because this is the verse that will get us into the Septuagint. St. Paul says, And how can men preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news, or to basically translate that somehow literally from the Greek, how beautiful are the feet who gospelize or proclaim the gospel, okay? It's the same thing that St. Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians. But notice he says, as it is written. Well, where? Well, Paul was referring to Isaiah 52 and verse 7. And it's my conviction that it was the Septuagint that St. Paul went around preaching from. So when Paul taught the gospel, he was using the Septuagint. And when he talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, it's written somewhere, and it's in the Old Testament. And the verse he was referring to is Isaiah 52, 7. And that verse says the exact same thing. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings or good news, who publishes peace, who brings good tidings of good. And this is in the Old Testament here now, in Greek, Septuagint. This is the same word gospelizing that we find in Romans and in 1 Thessalonians. But what does the gospel say? Quote, Your God reigns. The God of Israel, Yahweh, is king. That's the gospel, that the God of Israel has become, through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I should say the ascension, the king of the world. Now, wait a second. We're studying eschatology. Uh, something's off here, because truly the Messiah was going to become king of the world and all empires of the world, but that wasn't supposed to happen until the end of the world. This is in the midst of human history, and I'm just going to cut through. It took me 15 years to figure this out, and according to the rapture at any moment, folks, This isn't supposed to happen. That is, the Messiah to become king of the world until a future millennium, in some future period. Surprise, surprise, surprise. St. Paul came to the town of Thessalonica and announced the gospel, your God reigns. Jesus is king of the world. Now, You might ask yourself in a word study, what did the word gospel mean to a Gentile, somebody without the Jewish background? Well, the word gospel was a common word in the New Testament world. It simply meant a royal proclamation. When a big Roman official came to town, and especially the proclamation in the Roman Empire was, 
Caesar is Lord. That was the gospel in the Roman Empire. Caesar is Lord. And St. Paul came to town and said, no, he isn't. Jesus is Lord. And we read in the book of Acts, in chapter 17, it describes Paul's visit to Thessalonica. He was run out of town. Why don't we get run out of town today? Well, it's because we need to recover the gospel. Well, what is that? Well, it says these men who have turned the world upside down, Acts 17, verses 6 and 7. They are acting against the decrees of Caesar. What are they saying? Saying, in other words, this is the gospel saying that there is another king, Jesus. So if you want to teach your children what the gospel means, and believe me, this is going to unlock for us a future study in the book of Revelation. This will make understanding the highly confusing rapture in any moment question so simple to understand. Just stay with me in future weeks. But for now, all you have to remember if you want to know the essence of what the gospel message is, just simply look to a sign, a sign that was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, and hung on the cross of Jesus, and it said this, Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews, King of the world. That's the gospel, and I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode four of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.